Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Poolside Pass podcast. On today's episode I'm joined by Mel Marshall. Um, Mel's a fantastic coach, she's been coaching at the top level for, for quite a while now. Um, and Mel shares with us um, her experiences in coaching, um, moving up through the, through the coaching ladder and just reflects on the situation we find ourselves in now as well with um, COVID-19. Uh, before we get into the main interview with Mel, we're just going to have a quick word from our sponsor, Youth Sport Nutrition. Youth Sport Nutrition do tons of work within swimming, partnering with over 15 clubs in the UK and offer free partnership to coaches who reach out. They also sponsor some of the top youth swimmers nationally. They designed Protein, the world's first fortified all-in-one recovery shake specifically for youth athletes. Protein contains a wholesome blend of protein, fats, carbs and 16 essential micronutrients. These include key nutrients such as calcium, vitamin D and iron. Their products are also all approved by Inform Sport, which is a requirement for all professional athletes by WADA. Protein is designed to double up as a recovery shake or meal replacement to support busy athletes whenever whole foods aren't available, typically after early morning or late night training. Just shake it up and go. You can buy Protein today with an exclusive 10% discount from your first order using our Poolside Pass code Pool10 when checking out online. All first kilogram orders come with a free shaker, scoop, small t-shirt, stickers and a food first digital nutrition guide. Don't like it? Then send it back for a free replacement or your money back guaranteed. You can also access their free app today. Just search YSN Kitchen on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Be sure to check out their website today at www.usportnutrition.co.uk. So I think it's about time I introduced Mel, Mel Marshall. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, so let's just start, Mel, by talking about um, your background in the sport and kind of how you got to, got to where you are now, really. Um, yeah, so basically I was uh, I was a swimmer first, so I got into swimming really young, learned to swim at four. Um, my dad tried to teach me and I, you know, I said I knew, I knew better and I, learned, <laughs> I kind of, um, I did that. And then um, I just got into a club at seven um, and then I was in a very small club and then I basically went on to be a, a double Olympian um, at the Athens Olympics and the Beijing Olympics and then I made the crossover into coaching straight after retiring after Beijing and I was the uh, became the head coach of the City of Derby uh, Swimming Club from there from 2008 till 2017 and then I became the lead coach for the National Centre in Loughborough um, in 2017. So, so you kind of made the crossover into coaching what 2009? straight out the Olympics. I retired in the August and I got a job in October. So it's pretty quick. But I'd always been I wanted to be a PE teacher when I was a kid. Yeah. So all through secondary school really I was coaching. So I was coaching, you know, the football team, I was coaching the hockey team, the netball team and did a really good uh, qualification called the Community Sports Leaders Award and the High Sports Leaders Award. And um, that really kind of pushed my um, thirst for it, you know, writing lesson plans, you know, coaching kids with disabilities, coaching, uh, you know, you know, you're a year 11 girl and you're coaching six form boys football, you know, it was a <laughs> real kind of challenge. So I've always, I always wanted to be a PE teacher. And then obviously I retired in 2008. I had three months left to complete my degree. And so I needed a job. So I, um, I kind of combined the two really. And, uh, it was supposed to only be a bit of a part-time thing while I kind of worked out what it is, what, what it was that I, you know, while I became a PE teacher. And then it basically, um, I loved it straight away, fell in love with it straight away. And so um, that was that was how I kind of made that crossover. And I think the, um, the interesting thing is when you leave sport, 
you know, as an athlete and you've had a dream for so long, you, you worry, will I ever fall in love with something the same way I've been in love with this again? And I was really lucky that um, coaching was that, if not better. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like, that was how I made that transition. I think it's something you've said there and that you fell in love with it. I think a lot of the coaches I've spoken to so far, no one really planned to have a career in coaching when they were when they were young, but it's something they kind of fell in love with and, and fell into as they started yeah. started out with it. And I think that's I think that's such a big message. I think um, I think once you get once you get the bug for coaching, I think it's really really hard to, to not do it. Absolutely, and we all love to see it progress. And I think when you work with athletes and you work with swimmers and you work with you know young swimmers as well, like the progress and seeing that journey that they go on. Is, is really it's very addictive and you know you do get a lot you get a lot back from it yeah. and um, you know I certainly know you know my early days at City of Derby felt like I was doing everything for the first time so you know when we you know the Diddy League I used to love the Diddy League and like then when the Arena League you kind of go through that process and then you take your first kids to the national championships and you get your first national medal and you know all those kind of things it's um, it's a really cool journey to be on Absolutely. So, as a a female in a sport, and obviously, you know, I would probably say coaching's historically has been quite quite male dominated. Were there any barriers for you in terms of making your coaching career? I think I um, the biggest barrier that I actually faced was not actually being a woman because I felt like I'd probably faced those barriers so much as a young kid and so much as a you know like when I was on the sports field coaching year 12 boys and I'm a year 11 female and you know when I was the first girl that wanted to play football at primary school and all those I've kind of I'd faced all those things that adversity so much as a kid I just didn't I, w- I won't notice it yeah you know, I don't see a barrier I don't see a barrier the biggest challenge I faced actually was being an elite athlete all right because I think yeah because instantly I was greeted with quite a lot of what would you know you're just a selfish athlete or you're just kind of like just because you were a good swimmer doesn't mean to say you're a good coach and I really had to earn the respect of a lot of people Yeah. and there wasn't that many people that took me under their wing to support me um, I remember going to the BSCA conference actually and there was a coach there I was trying to there was actually a, somebody in quite a high position there and I'd asked them about getting some support for City of Derby in terms of some coaches and that person said to me have you got your level 3 and I was just in the process of doing my level 3 at the time so I'm, I'm I'm not, I've not, I'm just about, I'm just doing it now. And that person said to me, he goes, well, until you've got a level three, I ain't interested in talking to you. And oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, there was a lots of that. I wanted to do things differently at City of Derby. We were a feeder club and I had people threatening me to lose my job. So I had people, um, you know, I had people, you know, I had pretty vicious people being pretty horrible. I wanted to change the direction of things and do something different rather yeah. than, you know, supporting somebody with ambition and supporting, um, yeah, and supporting it. And anyway, you know, lo and behold, I, I, you know, over time, I got my team of people around me and I got my committee and I got my group of people that were um, supportive. But, you know, you have to fight all those battles. But, yeah, definitely being an elite athlete, I had to really prove that I could be a good coach because people just presumed because I was an athlete that I wouldn't be able to. And what advice would you perhaps give now to, to people that are maybe finishing their their swimming career 
and, and wanting to go into coaching, um, what advice would you give them and, and how to kind of negotiate in into that? I think the biggest thing is that the perspective change is, is goes from all about you to all about them. Yeah. So that's the first thing is changing the perspective on how you see things. You can't view it through your lens, you have to view it through somebody else's. The second thing I would say is an acceptance. You have got a huge amount of knowledge being on the front line in terms of what you've done. Also, you've got a huge amount of gaps. And so it's making sure that you really build your super strengths. You know, you've been to the been to the arenas, you've been to the competitions, you've walked through an Olympic village, you've walked through it all, um, but you haven't, you know, have you ever written a coaching plan? Have you ever written a lesson plan? Have you ever written a periodized plan? All that sort of stuff. So I think it's about utilizing your knowledge and growing it and then finding out what you need to know and not being afraid that you don't need to know it and, and grow it from that point. Good. Those are some like real, I think some real good messages that I think a lot of people could learn, learn a lot from. Um, so obviously you coach uh, you coach Adam Peaty amongst a host of other really really exceptional athletes. Um, Adam's obviously at, at, at the the top of his event. You know he's got the top. I don't know how many times in the hundred breaststroke um, in history. How do you ensure that every day remains a challenge for Adam? Um, yeah, I in terms of your training. Yeah, I think it's it's balance is a key word because what you have to understand is. Um, you absolutely need to be the best version of yourself every single day. But sometimes the best version of yourself is knowing when to recover, knowing when to relax, and knowing when to give yourself a day off. And so it's balance. Um, it's definitely that. Um, but it's about finding new ways to win. It's about winning with more class. It's about not letting yourself off the hook because you're, you've got a margin ahead of yourself. And it's managing all the things that you know, come with those sort of athletes. So, you know, the media, the sponsorship, the, the agent, the um, the days away for sponsorship commitments, the interest, the negativity that surrounds that person because they do one thing, the understanding that it's a young man that is just normal, that's going to make mistakes. It's the, you're the goalie that defends the back of the net and you've got to make sure that you protect them and um, keep it fresh, keep it interesting. And so... That, that's the biggest challenge, really. So, when you, how old was Adam when you first came across him as a swimmer? Fourteen. So he was fourteen. He was in your program at, at City of Derby. Yep. So, when when did you realise perhaps that he was he was then going to swim well? Uh, I think um, I saw him do different strokes, and I saw him do breaststroke at speed. And he just had something else. So this is when he was 14. And then he, I saw him race in the middle of the championships and he just had this kind of gut raw competitive spirit. But I said to, it was Ross Davenport at the time when he was, when he'd gone, um, this is before, this is when he went 59-9 at 18. And I said that he's, this guy's going to win an Olympic medal, 100%. So you just see the journey grow and you see what they're not doing from a training perspective. And then you think, well, if he's already doing that, and if he hasn't done that yet. So I've always known and always believed that impossible was possible with him. Yeah. And just the rate of progression that he, he showed, and he's such a quick responder. So, yeah. you know, he couldn't do a pull-up, and then but after we'd done a training program for three weeks, he would be able to do 20. So a very quick responder to work. So what was it technically that he had at 14 that, that made his breaststroke very, very good at speed? I call it technical presence. Okay. So it's 
when you see an athlete and they've got grip on the water and the way they travel through the water or travel on top of the water, it, it just looks different. So uh, when he was young, you could see, you could see that kind of technical presence. Yeah, definitely. So moving on now in terms of your, your whole career, maybe even crossing over back to when you was doing um, your other kind of coaching experiences when you were younger as well. What experiences have you had? Have you, have you had that, that have shaped the way you coached? Any positive stuff, any negative stuff that have just uh, made you reflect and, and change the way you do things and, and things like that? I think um, positive experiences for me, are, I have three. One was when I was a young coach in different sports at school, when I was doing those CSLA and HSLA awards, I absolutely submersed myself in as many opportunities as I could, and I didn't wait for someone to provide them, I went and found them. So I did some mentor sessions in prisons, I coached um, men's football when I was you know, a young female, I coached kids with disabilities. My work experience at 15, I volunteered I wanted to find the most difficult challenge, so I volunteered in an adult disability um, home, and it taught me things about how you communicate with people with challenges. I also, um, I've done a large amount of coaching in Africa where they can't speak much English, so you have to have a really effervescent style and a real narrative to the way you use body language. Um, and I have tried to submerge myself in as many extreme situations that really bring out the only way you can cope is to be a better version of yourself. So that would be the one thing would be, I'd say, um, submerge yourself in difficult situations to really um, improve yourself. Um, and I think the second thing is you never stop learning, I suppose. Yeah. Definitely, def- you know, you don't. You mean, what you are, you're a master of today, but you're a novice of tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that is, and you're only a master of the day by nine o'clock at night. So you've got to, it changes every single day, sport changes every single day, and it changes quick. And so you've got to be able to, you know, it's like the, oh, 19, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't fly. <laughs> so it's, yes, there is some traditional things that will always stay traditional and useful in the sport that we're in, but it's also that kind of um, opportunity to, to, to learn new ideas. You know, people say about getting mentors that are older, Everything in the world now is reciprocal mentoring. So you can learn something from somebody that's young and that's somebody that's old. It doesn't matter. It's like there's mentoring available everywhere because this young generation is great for digitalizing, for bringing things to life, for uh, making movies, all that sort of stuff. So that reciprocal mentoring is really good. And then I think the biggest thing is that I um, was a learning lesson was parents. And the reason why I say that is because in City of Derby, I had, across my time, I probably had 12 very, very difficult parents. And I mean difficult parents. And yeah. I had the rest of them that were brilliant. They just needed to be brought on the journey. And so when I look at that, I had, when I first, I, I had a group that I called, they were called the National Squad, and I had a group, and I took them through for like seven years. Yeah. And... At the start of that journey, of course, I had quite a lot of challenges from parents and all that sort of stuff. But by the end, I I had a great team of parents around me, brilliant people, and they would do, go to the ends of the earth. And so what I'd say is you're always going to get a couple of people that aren't going to be on board with what you're going to do. You're going to get it. You have to accept it. 
But the majority of parents are actually good news. They've got this endurance to help and support beyond anything I've ever seen. They'll volunteer for anything if they're put in the right direction. And as long as you sell the mission and tell them why and be very clear on that and constant with that, then most of them will come with you. I would say, like, ultimately as an athlete, you know, my job as a coach is to take your kid onto the battlefield and they're going to get shot at. They're going to win some, they're going to lose some, they're going to learn some, and it's going to be difficult. Your job's to wait on the sideline with the bandages. And if we keep with those roles, then we're going to do all right. But that constant education, like you wouldn't give up on freestyle technique. You can't give up on how you positive, get your parents to positively influence your program. Absolutely. I think, like you say, there's majority of the parents uh, are fabulous. And I think it's, there's a very, very small number of people that, that, that make the job quite difficult sometimes. Um, and I yeah. think often um, as coaches, especially when, when you're a young coach, um, and I've, I've heard discussions before with other coaches where they've been like, oh, it's the parents, it's the parents. And I think, now, especially this season, I've had a bit more time just to reflect and think about it. I think often, sometimes parents can be um, our biggest tool. I think they're, they're major facilitators, Absolutely. especially at an age group level. Uh, they're major facilitators and I think just because one or two parents are very difficult um, you know, it doesn't mean you have to tarnish the whole the whole group of parents with the same brush and I think there's, there's a lot they can give to a program um, so it's important to remember that as well I think what you've got to learn is you've got to work with the athlete and you've got to work with the parent and the parent ultimately needs to be your cultural architect someone that helps shape the growth that you want for that child um, and I think that's it. That's that's the most important thing. And you can't do that unless the communication is regular and the communication is, um, you know, is clear and concise all the time. So, so you mentioned um, earlier on in that in that question about experiences that sport is is fast changing. It changes all the time. Um, yeah. Obviously, in the current period of time we're in right now, everything's changing uh, all the time. Um, Obviously, with the Olympic Games being uh, put back a whole year, how does that impact your preparations for the Games? The thing is, with every situation, you have an ability with your mindset to find a positive or an ability with your mindset to find a negative. And I think what you've got to do is have that ability to, like you would use and get better at your start, you've got to get better at your positive attitude. And so for me now, yes, there are some challenges, but it's a positive experience. What we've been going to be able to do is the things that we've learned this year and the things that we've evolved and we've grown, we get that, this was the dress rehearsal and now we get to run the final show. And so it's again, it's your decision to find a positive outcome or your decision to find a negative outcome and you choose that. Like personality is who you are. You know, I cry at the movies, but my character is who I decide to be and I will 110% be positive through this challenge and find the positives from it. Don't get me wrong, I'm not numb to the challenges of it and I'm not numb to the negatives that you know, we're all experiencing, but we've got to find positives. We have to. Absolutely. And I think you know, this time now where we're out of the water, I think it's a time where we can be um, reflecting and, and learning on what's happened so far this season and resetting and yeah. getting ready to go again uh, for, for the next cycle. For the, for the first time ever, the world's given us time. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> For the first time ever than the people that we've all been on the planet with. First time. So if this is your chance for 
don't get me wrong, the people who are right at the front of the action is an incredibly difficult time. It's incredibly difficult. But this is the only window you're going to get in the next 10 years to grow. We should all be growing through the experience, growing with our appreciation for the fact that we've we may have a job growing for our fact, appreciation that we've got space to read, we've got space to get up a little bit later, we've got time to be with our families. If they're in the house with us, we've got time to communicate with our friends more over online resources. We're learning different ways of communicating. Positive. Absolutely. And I think it also gives, gives us time to appreciate uh, appreciate the, the day-to-day and the love for the day-to-day that we, that we have. Um, Absolutely. when that gets taken away from you and you can't go to the pool every day and stuff like that um, you know, it really does make you appreciate it a little bit more yeah absolutely so speaking of the current situation you know, there are a lot of coaches right now in, perhaps in some difficult situations um, yeah. you know, maybe maybe stuck in a bit of a rut you know, missing what they do you know, stressing out about things um, have you got any words for how they could potentially use this time effectively i think the key thing is to reach out and ask for help if you're struggling don't sit on don't sit alone because somebody somewhere will have the answer yeah also it's the, it's the little things so when was the last time ask yourself the right question when was the last time i actually ate a good meal as in a healthy meal when was the last time i actually did exercise for myself took a walk took some time did some reading um all those kind of things because we can we're in a goal-based sport striving for the next day to be over so we can get to the next one what we've got to make sure that we do is we you've got to grow yourself and you've got to know what things make you grow and um and so i think that's it it's time to take the little steps you need to be better yourself yeah absolutely um so then just finally now just to just to finish off finish off the interview which has been a really thought-provoking one um, what three pieces um, of advice or tips or whatever uh, would you give to coaches that perhaps um, want to progress their career forward? So they want to make sure that in, I don't know, five years' time, they're in a much better position in terms of their coaching than they are now. I think the biggest thing is you've got to find the opportunities. They won't come to you. Mm-hmm. And you've got to go out and get them. So one of the things that I did throughout my career was, you know, I went and went to Michael Scott and I begged him to let me go on the E-Cup course. I had my CV printed for John Rudd um, on a piece of, you know, paper straight after Adam qualified for the Commonwealth Games so I could take it to him and say, look, I really want to be on your coaching team. I went and volunteered at the most difficult place in a prison um, to run some mentoring sessions. I found the most difficult and challenging teaching environment that I could teach in with a group of kids that were um, removed from school due to behavioural issues. And that's where you find yourself. But I think that the first piece of advice is opportunity doesn't come knocking. You've got to go and knock, knock opportunity down. And it's, it's lazy and undisciplined to think that you it's just going to happen because it is. You have to go and find it. The second thing is you're... Your results are not who you are, they're just something you do. Never forget that. I'm no better a coach, you know, just because I coach Adam Peaty and he gets a load of results. I'm still someone that struggles with things and has lack of self-confidence sometimes and still somebody that um, has to try and really work hard to keep up with my knowledge. So I think that just remember your results are not who you are, they're just something you do. Um, and the final thing is, if you don't take care of you, nobody else will. So if you, if you miss that 
that workout or if you missed that opportunity to exercise or eating healthily or whatever that might be if you miss that no one else is going to no one else is going to care you have to take care of you um, and look after yourself look after your mind and look after your body because we're not here long and we've only got one so we should be looking after it I think that that last point you made there I think it's a point that, that keeps cropping up on this podcast I think Kevin Brooks mentioned it in his episode, Russ Barber mentioned it in his episode, Dave Champion spoke about it, you know, numerous coaches that have got great experience in the sport all hold that that key point about having to look, making sure that you're looking after yourself as being a really, really important thing as a coach because I think a lot of the time we, we sort everyone else out first um, and we leave ourselves till last and I think especially now is a time where we can perhaps just put ourselves first a little bit absolutely so Mel thank you very much for your time no worries and um, maybe one day we'll, we'll have you on again and we'll have, a, have another chat I hope so thanks very much once again thanks to Mel for coming on the podcast really appreciated her time uh, it was a great interview we had I certainly learned a lot and found it really insightful hopefully others did too if you did like it make sure you give us a share a like a retweet on, uh, on social media platforms or on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Poolside Pass and we've got a brand new website um, www.thepoolsidepass.com on there we've got blog posts we'll be bringing out blog posts weekly um, and we've also got a brand new parent podcast for any parents that are interested as well so make sure you go check us out online and thanks again for listening keep safe everyone and hopefully we'll be back in the water soon